0: Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Thank y'all for being here in person. If you're here in person, it's good to see y'all, and thank you for watching if you're tuning in online. If this is your first time watching, my name is Wade, and we are glad to have you. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll get into tonight's message. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and uh, preach what you put on my heart this week. Lord, I just pray for everybody that's watching online, and I pray for everybody that's here, Lord, in person, that you would open our hearts and minds, God, to to be open to what you say to us tonight. And I pray that you help us to be willing to receive it and eager to apply these things to our life, Lord, so that we can bear the fruit you want us to bear. God, I pray that you'd be with those that are traveling. I pray that you'd keep them safe and bring them home safely. And I pray for all those that are sick, Lord, that you'd comfort them and uh Help them to heal, Lord, so that they can get back in here in fellowship. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if you were here last week, we were talking about uh, the importance of keeping our light on. You know, we talked about how this world is a dark place, and uh, we're surrounded by darkness all the time. We talked about how this world is just almost exactly opposite of the way God tells us to live. So we have to have our, our light on all the time or we'll lose our way in the darkness and get off the path that we're supposed to be on. You know, Jesus is our light. And we looked at some scripture that told us that. And uh, the Holy Spirit, once we've come to Jesus, is our guide. And he helps us to navigate our way in the darkness. And like I said, this world's full of darkness and without God's word to guide us, and the Holy Spirit to guide us, you know, we, we can't stay on the path that we need to be on. One of the main verses we used last week was Psalm 119, 105, and that's what it's talking about. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. And uh, if we don't know the Word of God, we have no idea how to obey it. You know, it's good for us to know the Word of God. You know, we can't obey things that we don't know. You know, we talk about that all the time. But once you do know it and, uh, and we're obedient to it, then it will it'll guide us. Not knowing God's Word, that's just like a road that don't have any signs on it. You know, we don't, we don't have any idea how fast we need to be going. We, uh, we don't even have any idea where we're going. If we don't have any signs, we're just on a road and, and driving blind. And uh, you know, like I said last week, if I don't have the Holy Spirit to guide me, then I'm I'm guiding myself. And uh, without the Holy Spirit, the only thing I have is my own understanding. And uh, without Him, my understanding is still being controlled by my sin nature. I'm still being controlled by the sin nature I was born with. So I'm not I'm not following the Holy Spirit. That's just like I said, being on that road without any signs. I have no idea which way I'm going. And uh, there's no way I can go where God wants me to go or do what God wants me to do or be who God wants me to be, being led by sin nature. I have to be led by His nature, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's mostly what we talked about last week in a nutshell. But if you missed last week's message, uh, you can still watch it. You can look it up on the church Facebook page. Uh, You can find it on YouTube or Podbean. But we can't be led by our own understanding. Uh, You know, like I said, if I'm led by my old sin nature, like we talked about last week, that's my soul. And my soul is selfish. All it wants to do is please me. I'll just be trying to please myself. You know, what I want to do, what I crave and what I desire. But when we do come to Christ and receive the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit wants to do what God wants and what God desires for us. Uh, But we still have that choice. You know, I can choose to still do my, uh, be led by my sin nature, or I can choose to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And uh, we'll be talking about that a lot tonight. But another, uh, some more verses we shared last week, Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 through 7. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Uh, like I said, that's a choice. It's our choice to fear the Lord, to put him first, his will above mine. And it's our choice to depart from evil. Even if we do know the way, we still have the choice not to take that way. Uh, you know, we'll never follow the Lord unless we let him. <clears throat> lead us you know we can't lead ourselves and then just try to uh, put God's name on it we actually have to be obedient to him and we have to have our light on to know how to navigate in the in this dark world and the reason I stress that so much and I told you this last week too we can't depend on the world to show us the right way to go uh, we talk about that all the time uh, we shared this verse last week, too, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 4. This is the reason that we can't do what the world says is right. The God of this world is Satan himself. And it, that verse says, in whom the God of this world, and that's who it's talking about, our enemy, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Uh, you know, like I said, Satan is the God of this world. So if we're living on the advice of this world, the guidance that we get from this world, then we're not being led by the light. We're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're being led by the God of this world. And there's no way he's going to lead us to God. And there, like I said, we have a choice. We can follow God or we can follow the world. There is no, no middle ground. Uh, a good example of that, the world will tell you, And you probably got some of this advice somewhere along in your life. If you have an argument with your wife or your husband, what does the world tell you? If I was you, I'd get a divorce. You know, I hear that all the time. Don't listen to those kind of that kind of advice. You know, they're not you. Uh, You should do what God's Word tells you to do. Uh, But the world will tell you get a divorce. You don't have to put up with that and the world will tell you that your kids will be fine without him or her, they're better off without them because you don't want them to grow up to be just like them. It's those kind of mindsets, that's why the divorce rate is so high. That's why it's through the roof. That's why foster homes are not able to keep up with the amount of children that are being abandoned by their parents every day because they are taking the advice of the world and they're not being led by the Spirit and they're not getting in the Word of God and being married the way they're supposed to be married. Each party is just living to please themselves, and when you don't please me anymore, then I'm going to take the advice of the world, and I'm out of here. And, uh, you know, we can't have those kind of mindsets. And that's why kids today can't make up their minds whether or not they're a boy or a girl, because what does the world tell them? The world tells them, you choose what you want to be. You can be anything you want to be. So we can't take worldly advice the god of this world is our enemy and we cannot be led by him and think that we're, we we or, or our children are going to end up with god that will not lead you to god i tell you all the time if you want a godly life it has to have god in it you know if you want a worldly life then you won't have god in it that's the choice we have we can have a godly life with god in it or we can have a worldly life without God, or not the real God, we will have the God of this world. Uh, but even Jesus says in John 10, 10, and that's talking about the God of this world, talking about our enemy. It says, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and destroy. That's his only purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy. You, your relationships, your marriage, your you name it. He don't care what it is. He has no good intentions for you. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill your children. He wants to kill your relationships and your uh, chance at eternal life. He wants to kill everything good in your life. If you want life, come to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. If you want your children to have life, get your children to Jesus. You can't find it in the world, and you cannot find it uh, following the enemy of God. You know that just—that's just common sense. We can't follow the enemy of God, and get to him. Jesus is the only one who has life. And if we want life and we want our families to have life, we have to get them to Jesus. He is the only one. Uh, John 14, 6, we read this last week. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. You know, there is no other way. And we're bad about trying to find loopholes you know we'll try everything there that this world has to offer if we can just go around Jesus we'll try anything we can get uh, but go through Jesus and that's just in our sin nature and once we realize that and we come to him then we can switch our nature from that sin nature to God's Holy Spirit and then we can follow him but we're born with that desire to go around Him to try to find our own way. We're stubborn. We don't want to submit to anybody. Uh, we don't. We'll try anything else as long as we don't have to bow to Jesus and allow Him to be Lord. But if we're going to follow Him, He has to be our Lord. We can't get there on our own steam. And uh, if the world's telling you that, it's lying to you. You know we can't be in the church. We can't be in charge. But that's what the world tells us to do, you know. You make the decisions. so we can't, we can't rely on the world, you know. I look at myself, I was in charge for 45 years, and all I had to show for it was destruction. The uh, God of this world, He really did. He stole, He killed, and He destroyed everything I touched, every, everything in my life, and everybody else I touched along the way. You know, every relationship I had suffered because of it. Uh, Pastor DJ says it all the time in Celebrate Restoration. You know, if you're the Lord of your life, if you want to be master, if you want to do it your way, how is that working out for you? You know, when you ask yourself that question, my life's full of problems. That, that was the answer I had. It's not working out. Not good at all. Uh, and it will never work out without Jesus being Lord and me following him and doing it his way, not mine. So if I truly love my spouse and my kids and the other people in my life, I will follow him. Uh, or else Jesus says in Matthew 15:14, if the blind is leading the blind, they're both gonna fall in the ditch. You know, if I'm going the wrong way, I'm not gonna wind up where I wanna be. And those that are following me are not gonna get where I want them to be either. We're all gonna wind up in destruction. If it's the blind leading the blind. So Jesus has to be Lord. Without him, <clears throat> that's the best I have to offer them, is destruction. There is no other way than to Jesus Christ. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy way around it. It's straight to the cross, straight through Jesus. That is the only way. And I know I keep uh, just going over that point. But there's so many people that just try to go around it. They try to find another way. There is no other way. No matter what this world is telling you, it's lying to you. Uh, We talked about this verse a few weeks ago. I can't remember if it was two or three weeks ago. But in James 4, chapter 4, we talked about this word enmity. And uh, that word means to oppose. Uh, I'll read that verse to you. It says, you adulterers and adulteresses know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God you know we can't be enemies of God and think that we're going to lead a godly life and lead to eternal life and lead to uh, lead to God it won't you know that word means to oppose God we can't oppose God and call him lord at the same time like I said, we've got to make a choice. And we can't be friends with the world and follow Jesus. You just can't do it. Those two don't mix. We either have to follow the world or follow Him. We can't go in two directions at one time. You know, it's, it's no wonder that our kids get confused, and it's no wonder that we get confused ourselves. You know, we try to go in two different directions at the same time. One day we're this, one day we're that, and we're just not constant in our faith. We're not constant in who we are on a day-to-day basis. You know, we see it all the time. We'll say, okay, today's Sunday. Today I'm going to go towards God, and today I'll I'll follow Jesus. So we tell our families and our kids, follow me. Sunday we're going to go to church today. Let's get your church clothes on. And then When Sunday's over, we tell them, okay, church is over, now get your worldly clothes back on so we can go to Monday and Tuesday, and uh, we don't want to ruffle no feathers, we want to fit in when we go out there, and then Wednesday comes in, we're like, okay, get your church clothes back on, and then Wednesday's over, and then it's on and on and on in a repetitive cycle, week after week, and uh, it's no wonder we get confused if we're living like that. We don't even know where we're going ourselves. We have to pick one and be one all the time, uh, no matter where we are. You know, I was telling uh, last night at Celebrate Restoration how much freedom I found when I finally surrendered to Christ and uh, quit jumping the fence and going back and forth. You know, I've lied all my life, I'd forget. What I told this person or that person, I couldn't remember what I'm supposed to be in front of you because it's been a day or two since I saw you. You tell so many lies and you have to be so many different people depending on who you're around. That's bondage. You're not free doing that. But when I finally did surrender to Christ, now I can be myself 24 hours a day. I don't have to lie to anybody. I don't have to pretend to be somebody I'm not. And uh, that is true freedom. You know, when you don't have to pretend, you don't have to put on a mask and come to church. You don't have to try to avoid somebody when you see them in Walmart because you're just you. You don't have to be somebody else. So we have to pick one and be that all the time. You know, it don't do us a bit of good to come to Christ and let let him show us what needs to change and then not change it. Once we know what needs to change and we don't do it, all it does is make us miserable. You know, we were better off before we knew the truth than to know it and not do it. And I believe that's why so many people come to church and they ask Jesus into their hearts. And because they didn't change anything, their life don't change and they get disappointed after a few weeks and they just give up on their faith altogether. They never changed anything. And uh, they never changed direction and they got this mindset now that God has failed me God has never failed anybody he tells us what to change and it's up to us whether we make those changes or not it's up to us to repent and change direction uh, I've been sharing this verse every week for a while now probably a little over a month but 2 Corinthians 5:17 it says if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if you have came to Christ and invited him into your heart, you do have the Holy Spirit inside you. You are a new creature. But are the old things passed away? They have to pass away. We have to willingly give them up. You know, we can't just come to Christ and let him reveal to us what is not pleasing to God and then not do anything about it. You now, like I said a minute ago, all that does is make us miserable. But when we do make those changes and we are obedient to the Holy Spirit and we start making those changes, then we start experiencing the joy of the Lord that we hear about that was never experienced before. If, you, if God's telling you to change something and you're not changing it, you're not going to experience any joy because you know in your heart what needs done and you're just not doing it. But when you actually do those things, then you get a, a joy in you because you've done something that pleases God Himself. And I, I can't explain to you how that feels. You'll have to experience it for yourself. But if you've never experienced that, that's probably why. You've got to make the changes that God brings to our mind. Like I said, God's not holding anything back from anybody. But we don't experience that joy because we're still holding on to our old mindsets and our old behaviors. But when we decide to do this or that, whatever it is for you, when we decide to do it a different way, when we decide to do it God's way, uh, other than we've always done it, that's when we start seeing results. It's not when we see what needs done, it's when we do what needs done. You know, that's why it says in the book of James, you know, don't just know the word of God, do the word of God. That's how it becomes effective. That's how it brings about change in our lives. We have to do it, not just know it. And uh, that's when we can experience the joy of seeing what that change produces in our life. That's when we can see that new creature that we read about and talk about all the time come to life. We'll start seeing it manifest in ourselves. And uh, I read this in one of my devotions a few months ago. We will be the most surprised person on earth when we see the change in ourselves. Because most of us, when we come to Christ, we don't think that we're capable of that kind of change. We can't we don't think we're capable of anything good coming out of us. But when we start being obedient to God and we see ourselves changing, that really does surprise you. I know when I started noticing change in myself in the way I thought about other people, the way I treated other people, the way I thought about a lot of things, you know, it really amazed me and I knew that was God working on me because I'm like Oh, I knew there was nothing good in me and I knew if that's coming out of me it came from somewhere besides me and uh, that's proof of Christ in you when you start seeing those those things come out of you and it gives you hope it, it builds up your faith it strengthens your faith and it also strengthens your faith if you're helping someone else and you see growth in them that really encourages you to, to dig even deeper in your own faith so that you can be that encouragement for them. And the more you see Christ working not only on yourself, but in other people too, you, you get stronger and stronger and stronger in your faith that way. Like I said, you'll see that new creature start to emerge and you'll start seeing that fruit of the Spirit coming out of you instead of your sin nature coming out. And the, the fruit of the Spirit will get stronger and stronger and stronger and you'll start seeing more of that coming out of you than your sin nature until one day you'll look back and that is completely passed away unless you have a bad day or something. But that becomes your new normal, uh, being led by the Spirit. I've got a good example of listening to God's voice and actually do what He's telling you and it'll sound like a a stupid example, but I think it's a good one. Uh, I'm using myself for an example. I think it was around March I had a tire on my van that started going down and uh, you know I just woke up one morning and it was flat it had a leak in it and like I said I believe that was around March but every day I had to air that tire up every day I'd get up and it was flat and now sometimes I had to air it up twice a day and I'm sure a lot of y'all see me out there airing up my tire that went on for like four months four months I put up with that and gripped about it every day. And I took it, and I paid to have it fixed three times. And that's what we do with the things in our life. We don't want to get rid of it. We don't. We would rather be aggravated by it than actually get rid of it. And uh, so for four months, I did that. And I paid to have it fixed, and it still went flat every day. Not one time that I paid to have it fixed. Did it work? Then I fixed it myself once, and that lasted about a week. And then it started going flat again. I hated that tire. And uh, like I said, I know that sounds silly, but that's what we do. You know, I complained about that tire every day for four months. And every day, and uh, this ain't no joke, every day I had that still small voice in the back of my head telling me, get rid of that thing and buy another one. But I'm stubborn, and I wouldn't do it. like, I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. (coughs) There's some <coughs> there are some things in our lives that we can't fix, but we just keep on trying to fix it, keep on trying to hang on to it. We won't let those old things pass away so that we can get a new one. But every day that voice is in my head saying, throw that thing away and get another one. But every day I tune that voice out. You know, I did my griping, I dragged my air compressor out and air up my tire. And uh, during that four months, just that tire uh, aggravated me every day. It made me grouchy. uh, And the people around me had to pay for that. You know, it affected my attitude. It affected the way I treated other people. (coughs) It affected what was on my mind when I was supposed to be focused on a class that I was in or something. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm worried about my tire. When I get out of here, I'm going to have to hook up my compressor and a stupid tire. And I think all of us have something like that in our lives. That is just nagging at us and nagging at us and nagging at us. But instead of getting rid of it, we just complain about it and keep it and keep trying to fix it. You know, that made me dread walking out the door every morning to go to work. Because I knew that that tire was going to be sitting there staring at me flat. And I was going to have to drag my compressor out and air it up before I even started my day. And, uh, you know, that ruined my attitude before my day even got started. Now looking back, I can see what was going on. That was the enemy trying to do something simple as that. As long as it worked, he'll keep using it until you uh, quit letting it work. But like I said, it, it really affected my attitude. I even caught myself getting envious of people just because they had air in their tires. You know, how stupid is that? But it worked, so the enemy kept using it. It even gave me bad thoughts of the people I bought the tires from. I bought them new three years ago. And uh, you know, they didn't have anything to do with it. And I think, you know, we've got things in our life that do the same, <coughs> the same thing to us as that stupid tire was doing to me. You know, if we keep it and try to fix it long enough, and let it nag us long enough, we'll start taking it out on people that it don't have a thing to do with. And they'll, they'll, they're like, what did I do? You know, it'd be like me going up and cussing somebody out in the parking lot. What did I do? You got air in your tires. You know, it don't have a thing to do with them. I was irritated because I put up with it for so long when it was a, it was a really easy fix you know and like I said I'm I know some of you if not all of you got something in your life that annoys you every day that you don't do anything about and just like that tire it's gonna be stealing your joy it's gonna eat your lunch it's gonna ruin your attitude and it's gonna steal your focus but we're stubborn to admit that that needs to change that needs to die that needs to go so uh after about four months, I was coming back from Lowe's one day. You know, I was heading back here to the church, and there was that still a small voice again because I was complaining in my mind about when I get back to the church, I'm going to have to drag my compressor out and air that tire up again. And uh, that little voice said, pull in it right here and get you another tire. So I finally stopped at that little tire shop over here on 92. And uh, about 20 minutes later, I had a different tire with air in it. And it still got air in it. I ain't had to touch it since. That was simple. It took 20 minutes. It only cost me $63. You know, I paid more than that for all the repairs that I had done on it. I think it cost me like $27 a time I got got it patched. So that was more than the tire cost me. And I let it steal my joy for months. I let it affect my attitude for months. You know, the way I was treating other people for months, and all I had to do was listen to that still, small voice the first time and get rid of that old tire and go get a new one. So, you know, that's my question for you. What are you holding on to that's nagging at you every day? You know, what, what is consuming your thoughts and stealing your joy? but you're like me and you're too stubborn to admit that it needs fixed and you don't want to face it. You just don't want to deal with it. Because uh, most of the time, once you face it, it's not that bad. You know, like I said, it took 20 minutes and 53 or $63 later and that was gone. Something I'd been dealing with for months. So whatever it is that's on your mind, uh, I would recommend that you deal with it. Quit letting it steal your joy. And whatever whatever's nagging you, I know it's on your mind right now because now it has a spotlight, and that's probably front and center. That's probably what you're thinking about right now. Uh, but you, just like that tire, you can get rid of it. You can get rid of that thing just like I got rid of that. All you got to do is listen to that still, small voice and do what he's telling you to do with it. That's the Holy Spirit telling you that this needs to change. Uh, Don't be stubborn like me. Listen to Him. You know, He's trying to lead you where you long to be. You know, what did I long for? I longed for air to stay in my tire so I didn't have to be aggravated with that thing every day. But I wouldn't be obedient and go change it. You know, whatever is nagging you, whatever you know needs changed, (coughs) you can nip it in the bud right now. God will tell you what to do with it. That still small voice is telling you what to do with it. But if you're stubborn like me and you just won't be obedient, then you're going to, it's never going to change. It's not going to change on its own. But when you be obedient and do what he's telling you to do, it'll go away. And you'll go in a new direction. When I was in the, the program that I was in, I shared this with you before, but the director of the program, he used to tell me almost every day, because I was stubborn in there too. He said, listen, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I I didn't get that. That didn't make any sense to me. But one day, the light came on, and I was like, oh, I get it. Nothing's changing because I'm not changing anything. And he's like, yeah, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You know, let it go. Let God do the work in you that you know needs to be done. And, uh, Start doing the things that you know in your heart you need to do. And sometimes they're really simple, especially if it's in your relationship. Sometimes all you need to do is say you're sorry, you know, swallow your pride and admit that you're wrong. I don't know why it's so hard for us to do, but it, it really is. And sometimes that's all it would take to bring peace in your home is to simply say, that was my bad, I'm sorry, I apologize for that. But... We have a hard time swallowing our pride. You know, I had a hard time admitting that I can't fix my tire. But when I did, it was fixed. You know, we've got to find another thing we need to do. A lot of times the Holy Spirit's telling us to do this. A lot of times if our faith is uh, struggling and we're not doing the things that we need to do, it's because of fear. You know, we've got to find courage to stand up for our faith and tell the people in your life, uh, you know, the people at your workplace, maybe it's even people in your home or old friends that uh, didn't want you to give your life to Christ. Sometimes we have to take a stand and say, hey, I have given my life to Christ, and I'm going to follow him, so I can't be part of that stuff anymore. You know, if y'all are going to tell dirty jokes, I'm going to go over here. I don't want to hear them. Or if y'all are going to go do this, you know, I don't do that anymore. Uh I lost almost every friend I had when I came to Christ because every friend I had was ungodly and they didn't want to come to Christ. But that was fine with me. I let them know, I'm not above you. I'm not better than you. I'm just going this way. And if you're going to continue going that way, then we're not going together anymore. If you need me, call me. I'll help you. But, you know, we can't do life together if I'm going to live for God and you're going to live for this world. It just don't mix. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I can't be a part of that anymore. You know, we've got to stand up for our faith. And I believe that there are many people who are miserable because it's not that they didn't give their heart to Jesus. I think they genuinely did give their heart to Jesus, and they truly do have a new heart in their chest, but they don't have the courage to proclaim it. They're so fearful of other people and what they think that they can't live out their faith. You know, they can't find the courage to stand up and proclaim, I am a Christian now. I don't do that stuff anymore. Either that, or they call themselves a Christian and they still do that stuff. Either way, you're going to be miserable. But, uh, you know, if you've given yourself to Christ, be bold about it. Have the courage to say, I gave myself to Christ. I do not do those things anymore. You know, don't let your fear keep you from following Jesus. And don't let your stubbornness, like mine, keep you from making changes when God brings them to your mind. Uh, You know, if we don't proclaim our faith and confess it with our mouths that Jesus is my Lord and deny ourselves and pick up our cross and humble ourselves daily, then Jesus says we can't be his disciples. Those are things we have to do. We have to do it his way. We've got to humble ourselves and make the changes that we need to make, the ones that God is bringing to our minds that we need to make. Uh, But if we're not doing those things, like we started out with, then we are still under control uh, and we're still being led by the God of this world and our old sin nature, like we started off with in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. You know, we haven't let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine in our hearts. That's why we're stuck. That's why we're not seeing the change. We've got to make Him Lord and let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine in me. You know, don't just give Him your heart and be miserable because you won't let it out. Follow Him. Let Him change you and be led by the Holy Spirit and be obedient to what He's telling you and you will experience the joy of the Lord. You know, every time you're obedient, you'll see the results of that. And and if you believe in Jesus, I know you believe these verses we share almost every week. In you know, Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So, you know, stop sowing to the flesh, stop sowing to our old sin nature, and uh, start being obedient. Start sowing to the Holy Spirit. And uh, watch God change your life from the inside out. You know, it's as simple as start listening to that still small voice. God put things in your head, you know, that's wrong, this is right. And we can make a decision that fast. And, I don't think so, or yes, Lord, that's the way I'll do it. You know, even if it's harder this way, I'm going to do it that way because I know if you're telling me to do it, It's going to work out good, and I don't have to worry about the consequences. When we start making that decision, that's when our life changes. We've got to start listening to his voice. Uh, I want to share this story with you out of 1 Kings. It's about Elijah. You know, the day before this, uh, he was calling down fire from heaven and destroying the whole, uh, whole bunch of people that worshiped false gods. And the next day, you know, he just felt defeated. He was running away from the people that the day before he was watching God destroy. And he was looking uh, for God. And he went to the mountain of God. And that's where we're going to pick up. But it's a good good example of what we do. We'll see God move. And then we'll get to a place in our life where we don't know where God is. We get so focused on what's going on around us that we lose our focus on Jesus. And we start being affected because our focus is on the world. We start acting like the world. We start doubting God. We start feeling like we're all alone and there's nobody in it with us. And uh, that's what these verses are talking about. And in 1 Kings 19, I'm going to read verses 11 to 18. But in verse 11, it says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And he's talking to Elijah. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So there's that still, small voice I've been talking about. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thy altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And that's the way we think, you know, when we start focusing on the earthquakes and the fire and all that stuff, instead of focusing on the Lord, we start feeling like we're all alone. And the Lord said unto him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. But when you, just like he just did for Elijah, when we listen to that still, small voice, God gave him direction. You know, he told him, quit standing here on this mountain go do this. And in the next verse, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel-Mehula, I think I said that right, shall you anoint to be prophet in your room. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which has not kissed him. So when we get our focus off of God and on the earthquakes and stuff, we lose focus on God and we feel like we're all by ourselves. We feel like nobody's with us and we don't have any direction. But All he had to do was listen to that still small voice and God gave him direction. He told him which way to go. He didn't need any just give him a direction. He told him what to do when he got there, and he reassured him, you're not by yourself. I got 7,000 people down there waiting on you, and he'll do that for us. You know, God's telling us, you're not alone. The only time you'll ever be alone is when you choose to ignore that still, small voice. Uh, But when you listen to it, you'll be surrounded by God's people and God himself. God will lead you where you need to be, you know, to either receive the help you need or to be the help that somebody else needs. Like I said a while ago, that works both ways. We get just as much a blessing, we grow just as much in our faith when we're helping others as when we're receiving help ourselves. But you won't be alone, and you will be in fellowship with other people and with God if we'll just listen to Him. But we have to keep our focus on the Lord, like I said, You know, not the wind, not the earthquakes, not the fire, but on that still small voice that we all hear, but we ignore too many times. Uh, You know, it's just like Peter when he was walking on the water in Matthew 14 and verse 30. As long as he kept his focus on Jesus, he was walking on the water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He got his eyes off of Jesus, and he started to sink. And then he cried out to the Lord, save me. You know, as long as he was focused on the Lord, he was fine. But when he looked around and he focused on the wind and the waves, that's when he sank. And uh, that's what we do, too. So not only do we need to leave our light on so we can navigate in the darkness, and this whole world is darkness. We need our light all the time. And darkness can even get in at home through our TVs, through our phones, through our radios. We've got to leave our light on when we're home, too. And we have to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in order to leave behind the things uh, that we were talking about in 2 Corinthians five seventeen a while ago. So the old things can pass away. We have to have the Holy Spirit to tell us what to leave behind. Uh, I like Hebrews chapter 12. We covered these not long ago too. But we've got to lay, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We can't run the race that God is putting before us if we've still got our old baggage, we've still got our old mindset, and we're not willing to let those old things pass away. We've got to let those things go, and God will show you what those things are. Uh, I like verse 2 out of the NLT it tells us how we do this. It says we do this by looking at Jesus, uh, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You know, we don't do it by looking at what we're laying down, looking at what we're laying behind. If all we're looking at is the past, that's where we're going to wind back up. we got to let old things pass away in order for new things to become new. You know, like Pastor Josh said Sunday, if you were here Sunday morning, you can't mix the two. You know, you can't put new wine in old skins. Uh, if you put new wine in old skins, they explode. You know, you can't mix those together. It's like oil and water. So we've got a choice to make. We can either keep the old or we can have the new. I can have my way or I can have God's way. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, in verse 24. He says, No man can serve two masters, Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Uh, we talked about that in our Thursday night class this week. We've got to choose who we're going to serve. Uh, we can't keep our old life and then pretend to live a new one that that don't work. We've got to pick one or the other, and like I've been saying, if you're still your own master. Eventually, you will despise the Lord, and you'll despise Him telling you what to do. You'll be like, nobody's telling me what to do. I'm the boss of my own life. And uh, God will let you do that, but it will not work out good for you. And uh, if that's the mindset you have, you'll never follow Him, and you'll be just like me with that tire. You'll be looking at it every day, hating it, but not doing anything about it. So... Like I said, that's my question for you this week. What is it in your life that's nagging you every day? What is on your mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week that you know needs to change, that you know you need to come face to face with and make a choice with it? <coughs> I can tell you this. It will not change until you change it, and you will not change it until you decide to. Uh, You've got to make that decision. I am going to face this. And I'm going to do something about it. And uh, that won't just come naturally. You'll have to agree with God about it first, that it needs to change. And then you'll have to admit, yes, Lord, it needs changed. And then you'll have to make that decision, I'm going to change it. Not just know it needs to change. And when you make that decision, uh, God will give you the strength you need to do what you can't do on your own. There was a lot of changes I needed to make in my life, but I could not make them on my own, never would have made them on my own. But when I bring him to God and tell him, okay, I admit this needs to change, help me change it, he will. He'll give you everything you need to change it. So, uh, you know, what is it in your life you need to face? And I like this verse out of James 5, verse 16. Uh, don't try to face it on your own. Get with somebody that you know is godly and talk to them about it. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's a lot of strength. If you've got a problem in your life, if you've got that thing in your life that's nagging you 24-7, talk to somebody about it. Ask them to pray with you about it. Ask them to help you give you some advice on what you need to do. And uh, it's a whole lot easier to fight something that looks overwhelming to do by yourself. It's a whole lot easier to do it with somebody than it is to try to tackle it alone. But like I've been saying, uh, if you don't have Jesus or the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do any of this stuff on your own. You have to have uh, Christ to enable you, to strengthen you to do these things. So if you've never given your life to Christ, I would encourage you and invite you to do that now uh, today it's really simple if you know you need Jesus as your Lord just tell him I need you I need you to be Lord of my life I need your direction I need your help I need you to strengthen me where I'm weak I need you to give me guidance where I don't know where to go and uh, just tell him I need a Savior and he will save you right there where you're at you don't have to be in church you don't have to be Anywhere in particular, no matter where you are, just tell God, I need you, and He will hear you. Uh, I'll give you some scriptures on that. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, Just like the verses we read a while ago, In Galatians chapter 6, God is not mocked. But if you truly mean it in your heart and tell Him, I surrender my life to you, be my Savior, He will save you right then, right there. And uh, if this is the day you've done that, the Bible says, confess that with your mouth. Tell somebody, I gave my life to Christ today. And uh, it says, you will be saved. You'll receive your salvation. And nothing can ever take that away from you. And don't ever... Don't listen to people or worldly advice like we've been talking about that tells you you've been too far. You've went so far God don't want you anymore. Or you've sinned too much. God can't save you. Romans 10.13 says Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. (coughs) And Romans 5.8 says that's the whole reason Christ died for us is because we're sinners. And it says... But God commended or showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you don't have to straighten up to be saved. You have to realize you're a sinner. You know, Romans 3.23 says we have all come short of the glory of God. We're all born sinners. You don't have to straighten up. All you have to do is realize you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And cry out to Jesus and he will save you right where you are, no matter what you've done. And then you have the choice to make him the Lord of your life and uh, start being obedient to him. And he'll make the changes in your life that you can't make. He'll get rid of those things that nag you day in and day out. And uh, the things that you thought were hopeless will become hopeful. And the things that you long for, you will have. And the things that you are tired of, they will pass away. Those old things do go away. Maybe not overnight, but the more you're obedient to God, the more your new life will start taking form. Uh, I hope this really helps somebody. It helps me. I learned a a good lesson from that stupid tire. But uh, I'm trying now, instead of hearing the voice and trying to white knuckle it and go through, it's a whole lot easier to say, yes, Lord, I'll change that. I'll go ahead and do it now so I don't wrestle it for months and months and months and still have to do it anyway. But uh, that's another good reason if you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Don't put it off and put it off and put it off until one day you're standing before Christ and uh, you haven't received Him. It'll be too late then. So if you haven't made that choice, I pray that you'll make it tonight. But that's my message for tonight. Uh, Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Thank you all for coming out. And uh, thank you for tuning in online if you're watching online. Father, thank you for that message. I know I needed it in my life, Lord. And uh, I thank you for giving me the strength and the courage to actually apply it to my life. Uh, thank you, Lord, for helping me to, to be transparent and share this with other people. I pray that they would learn a lesson through my stubbornness, Lord, so that they don't have to go through the same sort of thing themselves. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to take what we've learned tonight and not just understand it, God, but to apply it in our lives, to actually hand you the things that we know needs changed. Ask you for your help, Father, and let you change it. Let you mold us into the new creature you want us to be, and we will give you the glory for it. Lord, we thank you for loving us first, and we love you. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name I do pray. Amen.